What have you done with your Christmas tree? We still have ours up in here, and uh, probably we'll keep it up until uh, we get to Epiphany. And uh, we did unplug it, so we would not uh, have any electrical problems over here with, uh, with all of the water today. But I was driving down the street just on Christmas Day, and as I was, this was probably um, in the uh, afternoon sometime, and I noticed someone had already taken their tree and put it out the curb. I mean, that's pretty efficient, right? You uh, take all your gifts out from under the tree, and, and you open your gifts, take everything off the, the, the tree, all the lights and all the uh, uh, ornaments and everything else, and then just haul that sucker right on out to the curb. Um, I couldn't believe that someone was so ready to move on and to put Christmas behind them. Uh, has anyone done that yet, by the way? Okay. Um, maybe you didn't take yours down quite that quickly, or maybe you won't, uh, but it could be that uh, you will in this next week. Or maybe you are one of those who has a tradition of keeping it up until New Year's Day. Anybody fit into that category? Okay. Uh, I know a lady who just takes a trash bag, throws a trash bag over hers, decorations and all, and then she just hauls it into the closet. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> uh, and you just pull it out the next year, take the trash bag off, and it, it's good to go. Or, as I've seen before in some homes, you just leave it, along with the lights on your roof. You leave it up all year long so that you could take a look at it and not have to worry about it. Uh, I'm wondering if that just isn't the best approach to Christmas. I mean, think about it. What if we left our trees up? What if we left our gifts out, still wrapped? What if we left uh, all of the beauty and all of the greenery and everything else up that reminds us of Christmas? What if we left the nativity scene right there in our living rooms that we could look at it every day and we could have Christmas every day of the year? What would that be like? Fun. (laughs) That's true. I think it would if we could open those gifts. But I think that is a pretty good approach. And as we move into the new year, uh, we have this calling, I think, from, from God to keep Christmas going and to carry it with us throughout the year. More specifically, what we ought to take with us into the new year is Christ, the Christ of Christmas. Not so much the gifts and, and the decorations, that's all important and helps us to celebrate, but really, we ought to take the Christ of Christmas, carrying Him with us, allowing God to guide us on the journey that awaits for us in 2014. That's what Joseph and Mary did with Jesus, as we've heard in our gospel text today, in this uh, gospel of Matthew, chapter 2. This is a text that we may not read or think much about during the, the Christmas season. We certainly don't think about it much during any other time of the year, and it usually rolls around in our lectionary readings uh, at one point or another. But don't we tend to focus on what happened in the nativity scene? I mean, that's really where all of our attention goes, on what was going on that particular day with Joseph and Mary trying to find a delivery unit somewhere there in town. Or on the shepherds and the angels like we looked at here last week. Or on the star of Bethlehem. We will focus on that and consider its significance. Some nativity scenes focus on the wise men or the magi there at the manger. Perhaps out of an inability 
to wait until Epiphany. We just want to throw it all in together, celebrate it as it must have all took place on one particular night, and then we move on to whatever else is coming up. But, of course, we realize the Magi were not there at that particular point. But it's not uncommon for us to skip in our thoughts or even in our church attendance uh, all the way until Easter without any consideration of what happened in the months and the years after Jesus was born. And really, we don't have that much information, do we? We don't have all uh, just a few stories about Jesus uh, getting in trouble with his parents uh, as he was, it's, it was holy trouble, as he was uh, there still left behind. They, they went on and uh, didn't realize he wasn't with them until later and went back and there he was uh, studying and listening and taking in the Word of God. Our scripture here today provides us with an opportunity to slow down a bit. To slow down and to say, we're going to stay in this Christmas story a little while longer. Just like we do with Easter. We have Sundays that come after Easter that lead us up to the point of Ascension Sunday and then all the way to Pentecost. And we use that time to say, we're not going to forget about this Jesus is risen phrase. We're going to think about it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to consider the significance of the reality of the resurrection. Well, what we do in these Sundays after Christmas is consider the significance of the birth of Christ into our lives. And as we do this, we slow down as we make our way into the new year. It draws us more deeply into the context in which Jesus was born, putting a spotlight on His parents and on how God was working in their lives as they allowed God to lead them with Jesus to brand new places. Such a deeper draw enables us to reflect this morning on how we can learn from them about taking Jesus with us as God leads us into the future, as He leads us into our next year. The first thing that Matthew presents us with here in these verses is another one of Joseph's dreams. In fact, there are two different dreams described here. There's the dream that is calling Joseph to gather up his family and to take off because Herod is just, and Herod was crazy, uh, just absolutely mad. And, and so he says, take Jesus and take, take your family and go to Egypt. And you can stay there until things change and then you'll get your next assignment. And so uh, this is what is being told to them. And we've already heard during Advent about one dream that he had that provided him with God's message about Mary. And we talked about him being terrified. And that's how Luke described it, that this angel appeared and Joseph is terrified. He was obviously a man of dreams. Carl Jung would have had a heyday with psychoanalyzing him. Joseph and all of these dreams just uh, are, are something that are, are very powerful in our scripture. And we always think about Joseph in the Old Testament and the dreams that he had and how God used them. And here we have a different Joseph, a Joseph who would come later and even have a bigger role to play in the, uh, the majestic plan of God. But he was a, a listener. He was a man sensitive to the voice of God aware enough to discern when God was speaking and when maybe somebody else like himself was speaking. There isn't any indication that he was too busy as a carpenter 
or too preoccupied uh, with himself, or too worried about his reputation. And we see that he took some courageous steps there in those early days. Or that he was too mature to listen when God was speaking. I mean, if that had been me, and I was involved there at the manger scene, and I had encountered this angel and uh, was uh, helping bring into the world this Messiah, I would have had a pretty big spiritual uh, head at that point. And would have thought, okay, that's it. I've arrived spiritually and uh, my job is done. I really don't need to listen. I can have people come to me and I can tell them about God and how powerful God is. But not so with him. He was open, if not looking for what God would say next. God had spoken before and things had happened just as God had said. Especially through that that angel, as he saw all of that unfold before his eyes, he must have been in readiness mode, awaiting God's next instruction for him. What God had to say to Joseph and Mary was of utmost importance, as it related to what they were to do with this newborn baby, with Jesus. They observed enough about their child to know that he was no ordinary child. I mean, you didn't have shepherds coming uh, to your delivery room when, when you uh, delivered a child, did you? Uh, or maybe you did. If you did, I, I don't want to hear about it. You didn't have a star that was up in the heavens pointing and directing people to you. You probably didn't have any of that. You just had maybe a few family members around and doctors and nurses and things like that, but not so with Jesus. This was no ordinary child, no ordinary birth. God had spoken to them before about what Jesus would become. And what he would do. Here in this dream, God continues to speak, giving them instructions and guidance. I've always liked the statement that the United Churches of Christ uses in their advertising. God is still speaking. Maybe you've seen some of the commercials on TV or seen it in different places. I I think they've used it on billboards, on the internet, and in their TV commercials that Uh, You can see from time to time. But their red comma says a lot. Letting everyone know that God is not done yet. God continues to speak to us wherever we are and whoever we are. Sometimes we put a period there, don't we? Not so with Joseph. Joseph had a comma. God, you've spoken once and I am confident you are going to speak again. I wonder this morning, how is your hearing these days? How is your ability to listen to to what God has to say going? We live in a, a very distracted world, don't we? We have signals coming to us constantly. And it is so difficult for us to listen and to be still. As you look back on this past year, what have you heard God say? I mean, what have you heard God say? I can assure you that God has been talking. God has been speaking to you, whether you realized it or not. Maybe it has been through a dream. Or it might have been while you were out taking a walk one day, and and God used something simple like a, a leaf, or a sunset, or a bird to deliver His message. I've even heard that God speaks to people while they are in the shower, although I'm not quite sure what to do with that. 
If you don't think God has been speaking to you, my guess is that you've been too busy to listen. I know that's how it is with me when I get too busy, even doing good things. I can become so distracted that I am no longer in a readiness mode like Joseph was. I am not listening to God's messages. I think I am. I try to convince myself that I'm listening to God, but I'm really just staying so busy that I don't have time for God. The real shame in our busyness is that we are missing out on some incredible messages from God. If you're like Joseph, you are ordinary, getting invited to do the extraordinary. And what would have happened if Joseph hadn't been listening? What would have happened if Joseph had just been way too busy to listen to what God had to say, or just dismissed his dream as really not meaning much at all, or just something maybe that he ate the night before? What will or won't happen if you aren't listening to God in 2014? Think about it. This week is a great time for us to hear what God has to say about where we are and where He wants us to go in this next year. God has great things to say to us, and especially about Jesus. You can't help but hear from God as you look at Jesus. As you consider the Christ in the manger, as you consider the Christ that is growing up, as you consider the Christ who is out and about loving people and performing miracles and uh, teaching and saying all kinds of wonderful things about God the Father, you can't help but come to a deeper understanding about what God wants to do in the world. You can find that you, like Mary, continue to treasure all of these things in your heart you discover that Jesus is like no other person that you've ever encountered. I mean, really, who else in history or in any relationship you've ever had has ever been like Jesus? You learn that He is, in fact, not just a person, but a God person. God in human skin. Having open ears like this means that you will pick up on what God is doing in the world, on what part you are to play as you take Jesus with you into places that you've never been. You comprehend that not everyone is in favor of Jesus being in the world, right? If you've lived your faith long enough, you will encounter that. Not everyone thinks it's a good idea. That He represents a different kind of king and kingdom in this world. One that stands as a threat to existing kings and to authorities. What you hear is that Jesus, who has come into your life, can get you into a lot of trouble, especially with the Herods of this world. You will be countercultural. You will be going against the status quo of this world when you sign up to follow Jesus. You will love when others hate. You will share when others hold back. You will speak when others remain quiet. God will do all kinds of things through you. And when you carry Jesus, you carry a load. But what God is doing through the arrival of Jesus in the world will outlast all of the Herods that develop in your life. And as we can learn in in history, uh, that was the case with Herod. As mean as he was, 
as powerful as he was, one day he died. And God's kingdom kept rolling on. Listening, however, is not enough. If we really want to take Jesus into 2014, we need to put God's words into action. Joseph heard from God and then he got up and went. I just have been thinking a lot about that in this short week of trying to write a sermon. That he got up and he went. What a powerful statement. He didn't analyze what God had said. He didn't procrastinate or dilly-dally around in any particular way. He didn't question God's judgment or wisdom. What he did was to immediately put feet to God's message. And he began to do. He knew what God was calling him to do and he did it. Even though it meant going to Egypt for a while. As we see at the end of our text... God would speak to him again while he was there, calling on him to come back home, which he did. But it was all in God's timing. Martin Luther King Jr. had a great way of calling people to move from dreams to action. And as we think about it, we can see the the great movement of history uh, as he would would speak and as he would provoke and as he would uh, lead people to take steps in this world. Uh, one of his quotes is, one of the, the great tragedies of life is that men seldom bridge the gulf between practice and profession, between doing and saying. A persistent schizophrenia leaves so many of us tragically divided against ourselves. On the one hand, we proudly profess certain sublime and noble principles. But on the other hand, we sadly practice the very antithesis of these principles. How often are our lives characterized by a high blood pressure of creeds and an anemia of deeds? There is this great separation sometimes between our words and our actions, our beliefs and our deeds. Once you hear from God in whatever way you tend to hear best, Know that you are only halfway done. God expects you to follow through, whether you know where you're going or not. And what I have found in my life is that He's not always going to tell you the way to go. He'll give you one step. He wants you to start stepping out into your assignment. Take the first step. All you need to do is take that one step. And He will make the unknown known To you, at least he'll give you another step to take. And you'll see on the other side of that step that there is another one and another one. And you will continue on in this journey that God has for you. All of those steps will get you right where God wants and needs you. God will do everything but take the steps for you. What step will you take next? It could be to take a different job to teach a Sunday school class, to deliver a Meals on Wheels route once a month, to read to a child in the Lighthouse program, to forgive an enemy, to start exercising. I know I'm going to meddling there. To go back to school, to serve a homeless veteran, to speak at city council, to drive the church van, or to sign up to be an usher. God's message for you may be to create a brand new ministry to bless a new group of people right here in the Highland neighborhood 
or somewhere in our city. God's next step for you could be to lead you right into the party wagon, to be involved on that team that goes out into the neighborhoods and does a a block party once a month. Whatever it is, it will require you, like it did Joseph and Mary, to get up and go with Jesus. If you get up and go and leave Jesus behind, then you have missed what God has given you to do. It may be easier and safer not to take Jesus with you as you go. In fact, I'll just say, it will be a lot easier in 2014 if you just leave Jesus behind. But I don't think you want to do that. I think you feel a sense of calling about this next year or you wouldn't be here. And it's a reminder that we get from Joseph and Mary. Take Jesus on with you. Don't leave this year and step into the next without Him. He is the central piece of what God plans to do in the world around you and in your life in this next year. Whenever I think of places that we can go with Jesus, I can't help but think of one of the great all-time poems of the world. Dr. Seuss's, Oh, the Places That You Will Go. I can still hear my mother reading this story to me. Let me read just a part of it to you. So be your name Buxbaum or Bixby or Bray or Mordecai Alley Van Allen O'Shea. You're off to great places. Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting. So get on your way. And so I say to you, church, today is your day. God is still speaking. Your next adventure is waiting. So get on your way. Let's pray. Our God, we give you thanks that you allow us to hear from you. That you are a God who is not so transcendent and far away that you can't speak to us and be involved in the details of our lives. We thank you that you are bringing us to an end of this year and introducing us to a brand new year.